Well, thanks, Parker, and uh, thanks, everyone. Wow, it's, uh, it, it really is a uh, privilege and an honor for me to be up here. <coughs> um, so I want to start with uh, who I am. So as Parker said, you know, I'm not from here. We, my wife and I, we go to Vineyard Northwest, and uh, just a little context about me before I dive in about, you know, we're taking a look at how does the kingdom invade all areas of our life for, with this series? I love this. I've seen other churches do it, and every time I love to listen to, <laughs> to the finance one just because that's my passion. Uh, but just a little bit about me and my background. <clears throat> so I went to school, studied finance and accounting. I like numbers. My dad told me, um, I like math. My dad told me, go get a business degree because he's like, business will take you further than math. So I was like, well, I'll just blend the two as much as I can. Uh, so I um, studied math and, or studied uh, finance and accounting. Worked for a um, for Northwestern Mutual for a financial planning firm, right out of college, and started to learn the ropes of financial planning. You know, retirement, insurance, um, taxes, investments, that kind of stuff. Um, and then, so it was Wilder was born in uh, 2016. So three years in, it was really four years in, I woke up early and decided to go to work early. So I'm talking like 6 a.m. I started at 7. And for whatever reason, I think um, Chris Vallotton out at Bethel uh, Church was doing a series called like Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. And I was like, oh, I really like Bethel. I like Chris. Let me um, hop on this train. And from that... I just went and studied the parable of the talents for probably like six straight months. So getting up early, going to Starbucks right by work for a, an hour or so, um, just really diving into it. And from there, so it's been three years, I would say I've been on this journey of what does it look like for the kingdom to invade my finances. And I'll, I'll say one plug for a book that I would highly recommend if you haven't read it. It's called, it's by Jim Baker, a pastor up in Columbus at Zion, um, How Heaven Invades Your Finances. Um, super short, easy to read. Um, so I've been on this journey for the last three years. Um, and I kind of want to walk you through along with uh, some scripture of what it's looked like, what Paul talks about when he talks about uh, finances uh, in the kingdom, and what it, so what it's looked like practically for me, and uh, just really share my story. So for today, we're answering this question of how do we know if we're viewing our finances through the lens of the kingdom? I, I, I listened to the beginning of the or the kickoff to this message, and I think Josh did a great job of understanding the kingdom. And so now, how are we going to apply that? How do we look at it, you know, when it comes to our our finances? Um, so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be using First uh, Timothy six uh, nine and ten, and then seventeen through seventeen through nineteen. So that's what we'll be doing. I'm going to pray, and then uh, and then let's kick it off. So, <clears throat> Holy Spirit, come. We thank you for. You're the great teacher. Um, we're all on this journey of learning what it, it means to steward, to be a steward. Holy Spirit, you guide us. 
Yeah, I pray that all our ears, even mine, we're open to hear what you have to say to us. Whether we know it or not, take us to that next level if we do in any in all areas of our finances. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's start with um, the scripture. I believe that, so we know there's three major areas of our life, our, our soul, our body, and our spirit. I think Paul d- talks about each one of these in these verses in a way that helps us understand You know, what should our soul look like? What should our body look like? What should our spirit look like? And knowing that we're looking at at our finances through the lens of the kingdom. So I'm going to read it, and then I'll go back through it. So starting in uh, 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Then let's hop over to 17. As for the rich in this, pre- in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So let's start with um, verse 9, and 9, 10, and... Uh, 17, I believe, all string a chord with our soul. So, verse 9, I'm just going to go back real quick. But those who desire to be rich, I'm going to stop right there. The word desire, when I first read this, really hit me. Um, It's like what motivates us to be rich, or even not even rich, but when we're talking about our finances. What is our, why are we doing this? What's our um, reason for doing it? Is it for budgeting? You know, I just want to make sure I'm taking care of my stuff. Is it for, I want to be saving because eventually I want to retire or something like that. What, you know, I think what Paul is saying here is that's, that's really the heart of what he's getting at. And a couple verses earlier in 6 and 7, I think he gives us the answer. What should our desire be when it talks about finances? Uh, In in 6 and 7, he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. So I think my experience, whenever we step into the realm of talking about finances, We've got to come from a place of content. And why should we do that? Well, we don't bring anything into this world, and we're not going to take anything out of it. God is our, I'll talk a lot about this, but God is our provider. So when we think about finances, it should never be from a place of 
woe is me, I don't have enough, or I have so much, I can do whatever I want, or I want to have so much. No, it should never be from that place. It should always be from a place of, wow, God, I am a child. I am, you love me so much. I am content. I will abound in every situation. There is no, my experience up until I studied the parable of the talents, and I think you guys have talked about this, it was totally separate. My two, my like, my Sunday church and then my rest of the days of the week. It was, it was separate. And I didn't even, like I wasn't even aware of that until I came to this point when I was just studying. I didn't even know, like, you know, God's so funny how he works. I didn't even know that's what I was walking into. I thought I was walking into. All right, so the parable of talents, you know, guys uh, double their money. All right, how do I double my money? Well, that's not at all what I... I didn't get the answer to that question. Um, I was like, but I was like, ah, it's, it's so much better. Um, so what motivates us? And I want to go to one of the Beatitudes really quick because it helped me understand my heart posture when I engage in finances, talking about finances, thinking about finances, what have you. Um, and it's from the Passion Translation, but Matthew 3 says, What wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For there is no charge to enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. <laughs> the first time I read it, I was, it was two years ago, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm still battling. Like, oh, look at the wealth that I have. What, what, do I, what do I have to do to, to get it? All I have to do is acknowledge that I'm a child of God. God owns everything. If I, can, if I can internalize that, if I can know at the core of my being that everything is God's, then, and I am content. You know, Paul also said, or in Philippians, it also says, which, it's so funny when you give context to certain things it makes it so much better you know when he says um i can do all things through christ who strengthens me i was like you know i love that verse <laughs> um but before it he says something along the lines of i've learned the secret of having plenty and having lack and be, you know basically being content and so i was like oh i was just thinking yeah i can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, but it's no, the reason he's saying that is because he's grounded. Like his identity, you know, identity is so big. His identity is so strong. And so, for me, my heart posture, uh, so it's 2016. From graduating college to 2016, my heart posture around money, talking about money was always, um, Basically, it was mine, to sum, sum it up. And, and God was like, you know, he walked me through this process of understanding, well, it's not yours. And the biggest way that I can explain <sighs> how I've come from this journey, I've moved on in this journey, is um, Parker alluded to the fact that I have a, I'm a certified financial planner. So that's just a you know, designation that I got that says, hey, you know, I'm more than just I'm in this industry. I, I know what I'm talking about. For three years, I 
felt like I had a really good understanding of the world's view of finances. Like, yeah, it's all about um, getting more and how can I grow it? And what's the best way to spend less on taxes or something like that? And God challenged me in this summer, in the six months, saying the parable of, okay, Phil, what about, what does it look like to understand my finances and how, your, how finances interact in the kingdom? So all I'd say, I've been on a journey for three years uh, of coming out, and I'm still coming out of this. My heart posture before was, this is mine. This is my money. I've worked for it. I've saved it. And uh, I don't want to lose it. And I'll tell you, it's been leaps and bounds in my marriage when it comes to budgeting. Uh, because in this context, <laughs> before marriage, or just the way my brain works, I always like to, you know, every month look at it and say, like, if I have a surplus, just look at it really hardcore and be like, I can't go outside of what I've given myself. Uh, or if I have, I'll know, like, i got to move it. That conversation never really worked in uh, talking about our budget. Um, and I'll tell you, fast forward a while, you know, we're, we're starting to be able to engage in, a, in the conversation of a budget because I've moved, my, I've moved my heart posture from this is mine, I need it, I, I don't want to lose it, to I'm content in whatever I have. So I think that's the first thing that um, Paul talks about in regards to our soul. The second thing is, moving on to verse 10, Um, that's a nice little, hopefully that doesn't fall. Okay, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And I'll stop right there. Love of money. So, we're probably, you know, when I think, when I read that, the, my first thought is going back to when Jesus says we can only love God or man of God or money. Uh, my experience for what does, how do you know if you love money? My experience with answering that question has been finances, money is a means to an end, okay? That's how I view it. That's my personal conviction that money is just a means to an end, whether it's paying down your mortgage, whether it's going out to eat, uh, whether it's just paying your bills, you know, what have you. It's a money, it's, it's a means to an end. But in the greater sense, if you don't have a Holy Spirit-led end, you could be in this realm of loving money. Let me say that again, maybe in another way. I really believe that money is a means to an end, okay? One way that we can check ourselves if we're loving money is if we don't have a Holy Spirit-led end, okay? So I would encourage you, whether you have that or not, because it's going to change um, throughout your life. Next time you have a quiet time or what have you, ask God, like, what is my end? And for me, I, help, I was able to identify that end 
during this, this period of six months where I was studying the parable of the talents. And that's where I identified, oh man, I might be loving money, not God. And it was really like, oh man, <laughs> there isn't this church on Sunday, six, the rest of six days of the week. No, it's actually, you know, and this, that's what's so great about this series. Yeah, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it one more time because I feel like that's really, so I own a business. And, and when I meet with our clients, one of the first things that I do when they become a new client is we, I, I want them to identify what is their end. It's fun if we can bring God in the conversation. That's not always true, but that's a ch- chance to minister. But it's so important when, when money. I mean, I'm definitely on this journey of understanding it. And I think God has definitely taught me that, you know, Jesus talks so much about the kingdom, but he also talks so much about finances. If we don't, if we don't get this right, I'm not saying we're not going to be blessed. I'm saying we might miss out on some things because there's a lot of things that money can do uh, here practically that God wants to partner with us. And um, it's just so fun to see God move when it comes to finances. So the other thing in verse ten that I want to um, that I want to pull out is it says, "For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away." Craving struck a chord with me in realizing that <clears throat> this is something that we would do that is outside of ourselves. So if we're gonna love money. We're going to be able to identify that if we have a very strong understanding. Oop. How long has that been untied? Uh, a very strong understanding of who we are. So what do I mean by that? We w- if we have a really, like let's just say, if I know I'm content. I can identify that I'm not, that I'm starting to love money if I feel like I am literally like stretching. I'm literally coming out of who I actually am because I'm starting to fall in love with money. It is, you're going to be able to like just, you know, sense it. Holy Spirit will convict you. You know, so there is a, this understanding that it's not good to love money. You know, it's a root of all kinds of evil. But another way, if the whole finances and means to an end, another way that we can know that we're going down that road is if we're rooted in our identity and acknowledging like, wow, this feels weird. Like I'm literally like going outside of my comfort zone. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go outside of our comfort zone, but in this area we'll be like, yeah, okay. In this area of looking at my finances, I feel stretched. You know, I, I'm feeling stretched. And I would say that doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a bad thing. But if you ask the question, I'm feeling like I'm stretched because I'm starting to love money, I think there's something there. So this idea of craving, you'll, you'll be able to identify it uh, that you're in that realm of loving money if it feels like it's, you know, does that make sense? It feels like it's something outside of who you actually are. All right, let's hop down to 17. So this is still in the context of our soul. 
So soul can be defined as mind, will, and emotions. So first one was desire. Second one I would say is love of money. The third one, and I'll take a, I kind of want to take a minute on this one because it's personally um, impacted myself and my family. So verse 17, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on, haughty is such a funny word, on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. The first thing I really want to say is when he says rich in this present age, yes, I think that he's talking about material possessions. And you could say yes in the context of the world. I'm sure everyone here is rich. But I think even if that doesn't apply, it will still apply because he's talking about those that are heirs of the kingdom. You are rich. Whether materially or not, you are rich. So he is, he's not just saying, anyway, so, so what he says after this is applicable to everyone, is my, is my point. And so he says, not to be haughty, I think we're good with that nor accept their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. I think we're good on that. But to set our hopes on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. For my one thing, if if there's one thing I want to convey today, is that God is our provider. But, you know, you probably heard that, and you, like, Phil, yeah, I know that. I really want you to, what does that mean for you, okay? What does that practically mean for you and your family? So I'll give you our, um, what, is that, what has that meant for Amanda, the boys, and I? over the last uh, year. So I told you about six years, or three years ago, I started on this journey. I was working for Northwestern Mutual. Um, About a year ago, I quit my job because I felt like God was, yeah, calling me to leave. And so when I did that, (laughs) I asked my dad, and he's like, well, Young people can take risks, or he said something like that. And I was like, so you're not saying I shouldn't do it. <laughs> and uh, while other people might have not been as like, oh, you, you know, you got a family. You've got, you know, you've got two kids, and yeah, is that the best thing for you to do? Yeah, we had some savings, and we had, but for me, when I started this business, and I had a partner at that time, I started this business and I said, I, I projected that we could probably last, I don't know, six months without making money. Um, and I was just like, you know what? If it comes to six months and we're out of savings, I'm just gonna find a job because God has called me to this. This was my end, okay guys? This was my, this is my end. Talking about people with finance, talking about finances with people, engaging them, helping them find their end. Um, 
igniting others' passions. That's kind of like what I identified was important to me. So, also at that time, so, you know, I had full-time income. Amanda was part-time at the church. So we still had some money coming in. Then we go to, <laughs> then God called Amanda, starts to identify what her end was. Her end was uh, staying at home with the boys. So we chose to take a pickup from Amanda's side. And you know what, guys? And what I'm trying to say for us, this is what it practically meant that God was our provider. I had all, you know, I had, we had this pile of money that at the end of the day, I felt like God said, you just got to let that go. With the parable of talents, what I understood was, okay, God, this is not mine anymore. This is yours. What should I be doing with this? And so, yeah, we had this pile of money. Not any big pile of money. And we had expenses, you know. We have a house. We have two kids. We like to eat. And, <laughs> and buy it. Never mind. And, um, sorry. <laughs> we just like to buy. Okay, when we buy something, we'll buy, you know, I like quality. But then when, I, when my wife knows I like quality, she's going to go buy, like, the most quality thing out there for our, not only just for her, but for everybody. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that we'll spend money. <laughs> we still spend money. Um, we've still spent money. Uh, and just to fast forward the story, what I mean that God has been our provider is that, you know, it was six months. Six months would have been probably like April. And through basically... One, two, three, four series of events, or four events. We're still here today. I'm still here today. I'm still running this business, and I'm projecting that we won't run out of savings. And for me, though, I've never, <laughs> uh, that six months, I didn't even touch our budget. I felt like God said, Phil, you got to let this go. You need to renew your mind on what this looks like, on how the kingdom works in regards to your finances. And that was, <laughs> it was a little hard, but it was also like, great, I don't want to do this. It's too much to figure it out. And it, it's funny, I've started to, in the last couple months, do it, and it, it's amazing just like from a relationship standpoint with my wife, how, how much more those conversations like ring true, or like there's, there's actual um, there's connection with those conversations as opposed to disconnection with those conversations. And uh, what else do I want to say about this? But <clears throat> I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, what does it look like for me to have you as my provider? And for me, the answer was, God, I know you'll provide for my family when I start this business because you called me to it anyway. And I'm a child. I'm content knowing that if I run out of money, if I have to go get a part-time job, I don't care because you called me to this. I'd really encourage you to ask that question.
Okay. Uh, body and spirit. Let's wrap this, start to wrap this up. Verse 18 and part of 19. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Also, I think to the first part of that verse is really going to be applicable for vacation, vocation. So I'm going to really just go to the end and just tell a story about my, my boys with regards to what does it mean to be generous and ready to share. So I have two boys. You might have seen them over there earlier. Um, they love to, you know, they're boys, so they love to just swing, and that's great that. I'm sure you'll see them later. Um, so when they started to play together with, like, toys and whatnot, and Riot just had his second birthday recently, so, you know, Riot got more things, it really, it really, I didn't like when they didn't share. Not that, like, if Wilder was playing with something, that he had to give it to Riot. But if Riot asked, you know, asked him for it, and it's like, okay, Wilder, what does it look like? What does it look like for us in looking in this context to share? How do we know that? What, what is Paul saying? What does it really look like to be generous and ready to share? And so probably six months ago, or so, I told, they were like fighting over something, and I told Wilder, I said, Wilder, because he must have said like, no, it's mine, Riot, or vice versa, and no, it was Wilder, and, because Riot probably, although he does, whatever, um, <laughs> oh yeah, he, so he said, it's mine, and I said, Wilder, do you know whose that is? And, you know, he probably didn't even listen to what I said. But I was like, that's, you know, that's Jesus's. That's not yours. You know, God, Jesus owns it. You're just, I didn't say this. This is for you. Um, you're the manager. And so, you know, that first time I did it, I was like, well, I'm convicted, convinced, passionate that I know this is true. Okay. And then, so whenever it would happen, I would try to I'd keep saying it. And surely enough, about like a week ago, I guess since we moved in the house, I haven't heard him say it before that, I don't think. But I heard Wilder say at one point, he's like, you know, they were talking, playing, and Wilder talking to Riot was like, no, Riot, it's Jesus's. And I'll, I'll, so I'll say it in, in this way, that to be generous and ready to share, you have to first come to this understanding that it's not yours. Guys, anything that we have, it's not ours. So, you know, with an, an open palm, not a closed fist. I had a closed fist before, uh, before I studied the parable of talents. And I'm moving towards this, that it's not mine. And you know how we receive when we give, you know? If God asks us or someone asks us to give, um, to be able to do that, that gives us so much life. And so I'll start to go to the end here. That uh, the other, the, in verse 19, this is the only thing. I don't know. I feel like I should say more about this kind of stuff, but I'm not. 
This is the only thing I'll say. When he says storing up treasure, I believe that if we don't have some sort of savings already, some sort of emergency fund, if we don't have a line item in our budget that we're saving, I believe that we can miss out on what God's doing. If we don't have that ingrained in our mind, you know, knowing that it's not ours, we could miss out on something that God's doing. And so the last thing, so the end of 19, is where spirit, is where the spirit comes into play. And this is honestly what led me from, uh, part of what led me to start a business. He, he talks about, or well, I'll just read it. So that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I guess I should give that a little bit more context. So soaring up, anyway, that, so that they can, may take hold of that which is truly life. And life here, the definition is the absolute, absolute fullness of life, active and vigorous, devoted to God and blessed. For me, in this season of like loving money, my desire was off, <clears throat> not knowing what it meant to share. I didn't, I didn't, and looking at that, and even John 10.10, 10, you know, Jesus came to give us life more abundantly. I was like, I don't, guys, I don't, I don't have that. And I feel like I'm missing out on something. And so I believe that by walking out our soul, walking in our spirit, we will be able to, sorry, body, we'll be able to acknowledge like, you'll just, you just, you just know. You'll just know, like, am I living in abundance? Is this life, do I feel like this life is what Jesus died for? If it doesn't feel that way, ask the Holy Spirit direction on what, you know, what, what lie am I believing? Um, oh, so for me, I was like, okay, God, in this Western culture, is life abundantly when I'm retired? Like, do I just work however many years and then just retire? So this is for me. And I just felt like, no, that's not abundant life. That's not what God, that's not what Jesus died for, for me. So Jesus, what did you die for? What, what does abundant look, life look like? for me. And so for me, what was most, one of the things that was most important, especially as Amanda working at the church, excuse me, was flexibility. And in the parable of the talents, I also learned that, anyway, I learned something that made me realize, oh, I should be my own boss. And my dad is, and so it's kind of like in our family. And so for me, I was like, all right, if I stay here, yes, I'm sure I could live in abundance. I know I can. It's not our situations. Um, but if God leads us to do something that others might say is, you know, people around me were saying, like, you shouldn't do that. Well, <laughs> I had a prophetic, a prophetic word at uh, the Kingdom Pursuit Conference a year ago, 
And I think when you get confirmation like that, it's okay if other people are like, ah, you know, I don't know if you should do that. No, I'm pretty sure God's telling me to do this. So for me, I felt like, all right, God, to walk in abundance, to know that I am looking at my finances through the realm of the kingdom, you're leading me to start this business. And so that's what I did. And I'll tell you, life, it, it's, like, it's like too good to be true. <clears throat> to be home until, to not, to choose to not to start work until nine so that I can make my boys breakfast. To choose to when, to, to choose to when? To choose when to set meetings. To choose if I want to take Mondays off because it feels like we don't have a Sabbath. Because uh, we do stuff on Saturdays, Sundays all the time. You know, that is what life for us looks like when I can say, okay, Jesus, you died for this life. You didn't die for this other life that I was living before. I feel like, no, this was like bad sometimes and this is good. So I should have been consistent with that. Oh, well. <laughs> so I want to close with two practical steps. And uh, if the worship team wants to come up, they can. So uh, here are two things I would say that I would challenge and encourage you to do. And the first, I, I, I kind of have already alluded to each one of these, but just to bring it to a close, is answer the question, the first one is answer the question, what does it look like for me to have God as my provider? And maybe it's as simple as that first step of knowing, oh, the money the income that I was receiving, God, now that's actually yours. It's not mine. I'm not working for this. I, uh, I'm content. I don't need the income. I'm doing this job because you told me to. And so for me, you know, practically for me, that was me starting the business. What does it look like for God to be my provider, number one? And then number two... I think is to partner with God is to always be asking the question, okay, what's my end? What's the end here, God? And if someone asks for something or God asks for something, always lean on the side of giving. And so my example with that for me has been we've sold two houses in the last a uh, couple of years, and, you know, tithing, like, I believe you tithe on the gross, and, but I was like, how do you tithe on, like, not your, you know, we had increases, how do we do that? Well, the first time, we technically didn't make more money, but we got money back, so I was like, well, we should just, something was going on in the church at Northwest, and I was, and I felt like, okay, God, you know, you're asking, I've got it, even though I feel like, we're not even net zero, we should still give. And then just recently, we just sold a house. Oh, I didn't tell us. Oh, well. <laughs> when was I going to? That's all right. I'm sure Amanda was glad that I didn't tell the story. Oh, and so we had a gain on the house. And I was like, do you tithe on capital gain, like on the capital gains? I was like, well, it's an income. Is it 
increase. And, and so for us, it does, it didn't, at that point, God wasn't asking. A friend wasn't asking. It was my core conviction that this isn't mine, you know, and I'm going to give 10% of what this ends up being. So thanks guys. Oh, question. <laughs> say it again. What's your end in regards to your finances? So like, what do I want to do with this? God's given this to me. He's given me this resources. Yeah. Any other questions? <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks, Will. <laughs>